Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. The, uh, the adults you just saw leave uh, with kids, they were here for the first service, and they allowed their children to stay behind and uh, lead in, uh, in worship for this service also. Before we jump into the message, let's go to the Lord in, in prayer real quickly. Father, we thank you for, uh, for each one of these children's lives. You're the one that creates life. You're the one that has have given these children as gifts uh, to, to their parents, to their families, uh, Lord, even to the church. Uh, to our to our culture, our society, and Father, we pray that uh, that they will grow up in, uh, in in your knowledge, in your truth, and that you'll take their potential that you've given them, and you'll use them in, in a great way to uh, honor yourself, to honor your kingdom. Uh, we thank you for the chance we have through children's ministry to minister to them through things like Vacation Bible School. And Father, we just ask you to be with those families, help them to be very strong for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We started a series last week entitled The Commands of Christ. And uh, simply in this series, we're going to take uh, about eight Sundays or so and, uh, and look at different things that Jesus had to say uh, that are not necessarily suggestions, but they're things that he actually wanted us to be involved with, engaged with uh, in, in our lives. Uh, last week when we started out the series, uh, I talked about repent and believe uh, because Jesus called us to repentance. Uh, the, the word for repentance does not mean that you and I are just sorry for our sins. Uh, repentance does not mean that uh, you and I have to remember every sin we've ever committed and fall on our face and ask God to forgive us of each individual sin. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but here's the problem. I doubt if you've got the capacity, and I have the capacity to remember everything we've done that was wrong. You understand that? Maybe you do. I don't. I'll be transparent. I cannot remember everything I've ever done that was wrong. So that's not what repentance is for, for us to ask God to forgive us of every little thing we've done that, that's wrong. Instead, the biblical idea of repentance is you and I agreeing with God. What he says about us is, right, we are sinners, and we need to agree with him and turn from our sin and turn toward him. So Jesus not only called us to repentance, he also called us to faith or he called us to believe. To believe that he died on the cross for our sins, that he sacrificed himself, shed his blood as payment for our sins, so that through faith in him, we can have everlasting life. Then on the other side of repenting and believing, Jesus gives us another command. He tells us to be baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is not something that is added to your faith in order that you might be saved. And yet baptism is something that Jesus commands us that he tells us to do. Before we actually get to talking about baptism, I want to clearly help you understand that baptism is not what saves you. So we're going to look at some verses to start with that communicate that to us. In Romans chapter 3, it says, All have sinned, all of us have messed up, we've all fallen short of God's glory but we're justified. We can, be, we can be made just as though we've never sinned before God. He declares us righteous before himself as a gift of his grace. It's by his grace. It's not anything we deserve or earn, but it's by his grace as a free gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or payment by his blood to be received by faith. That's how we receive Christ as our Savior. That's how we're saved. Yes, we have to be aware of our sin. We repent of our sin, but our salvation is based on us trusting completely in the finished work of Jesus, not anything we can deserve or earn. Baptism could be something you do. It could be almost like a work. Later on, it says in that same chapter, then what becomes of our boast? In other words, what do we have to brag about? We can't brag about our works, our goodness, or even that we had ourselves baptized. It is excluded by what kind of law? It says by law of works, no, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified, made just like they've never sinned before God, by faith apart from works of the law. So it's not any works that we do that can save us whatsoever. Ephesians tells us this. For by grace, once again, the unmerited favor of God, not anything we can earn or deserve. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not something that you manipulated, that you do, that you take care of. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works, because if it were a result of works, based on our old stinking human nature, we'd walk around and boast about it. So we're not saved by baptism, because baptism itself could be, could be a work wrongly applied, people make it sound like you have to be saved to be baptized. And we'll talk a good bit about that as we go through the message this morning. Our focal verse this morning is found in in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus said this in what we call the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism does not save us, yet baptism is part of the Great Commission. You've heard it put like this before. I've said it like this before. Baptism or the Great Commission is, is not a suggestion. It is a command. It's a, it's a commission. So baptism is part of that. It's something that he calls upon us to do in order to be obedient So having said that, can I ask you a question? Have you yourself been obedient to Christ through baptism? I mean, on the other side of you receiving Christ as your Savior, on the other side of you being aware of your sin, you repented of your sin before God, and you trusted in Jesus and his finished work on the cross, on the other side of that, have you, in fact, been obedient to him by being baptized? I know people come up with a lot of excuses. We'll talk some some about some excuses later, but... Let me just kind of throw this out to begin with. Since we're talking about obedience to Christ and the need to be baptized, before you start making excuses, can I remind you that Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for your sins? That Jesus publicly was nailed to the cross. That he suffered and died for you. So if he did all of that for us, why do we hold back from something like baptism when he tells us that it's part of his will for our lives? See, to to put it another way, I think here's the issue. If you say that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, honestly, how much at peace can you be in your heart that he's really your Lord if you won't obey him and do something that he tells you to do? So while it doesn't save us, it does have something to do with obedience. When you think about obedience, Jesus says some very tough things like this in the Bible. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? If you love me, you would keep my commandments. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. 
So clearly Jesus expects, anticipates, wants obedience from, from our lives. That in mind, I want us to talk some about baptism this morning and focus on why it's important that we obey this command of Christ and be baptized. If you're following along in the updates and filling in the blanks, here's the first thing that you need to write down. Baptism does this. Baptism symbolically communicates the believer's identification with Christ. Baptism is a symbol. It's not anything that saves you. It's a symbol. And it symbolically communicates to God, to others, that we have identified ourselves with Jesus. Now, to kind of give some supporting truth to that, the first thing I want you to understand is that baptism is, is really an example. Through baptism, we as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, through baptism, Christians identify with Jesus by following his example. See, Jesus himself was baptized. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? In other words, John is saying, hey, wait a minute, Jesus, I know who you are. I don't really need to be the one baptizing you. You're the one who needs to baptize me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now think about the baptism of Jesus for a minute. Since the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was completely perfect, completely sinless, Jesus was not baptized having anything to do with sin. Instead, Jesus is baptized, I think, one, maybe to identify himself with us as an example for us to follow. But two, it seems to me like when we read the events of what happened here, immediately on the other side of Jesus being baptized, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and heaven opens up, and God the Father says this, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So, so the baptism of Jesus, it appears to me, has something to do with it being publicly identified that, hey, this is my son. And Jesus was publicly identifying himself as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and heaven opened up, and then God said so. So just maybe in a similar way, when believers are baptized, what we are doing in a public way also is identifying ourselves with God the Father, saying that he is our Father now because we've come to faith in him through Christ. Not only is baptism an example that we ought to follow that, that identifies us with, with Jesus, following the example that he placed before us, also through baptism, Christians identify themselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So this is kind of a doctrinal message, but it needs to be because people really mess up baptism, I think, a lot of times in what the Bible really teaches about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 says, For I delivered to you, Paul writes to these believers in Corinth, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. That's part of the gospel. In accordance with the scriptures, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So Jesus 
went to the cross, and he was nailed to the cross, and he died. Jesus was taken to a tomb and placed in the tomb, and he was buried. And then Jesus took his life back up on the third day. And the Bible tells us that when we, by faith, identify ourselves with Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, as far as God the Father is concerned, here's what happened to all of us who trust in Christ as our Savior. God views us as though we have died with Jesus, as though we were buried with Jesus, but also as though we were raised with Jesus when he took his life back up. So by trusting in Jesus, all those three things, God looks at us as though that happened to us literally. Doctrinally, that's the way God looks at us. That, that we have died with Jesus, we're buried with Jesus, and we're raised with him. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 tells us this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, or all of us who have, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, you see the similarities? We were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The Bible says we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and we're raised with him in newness of life. Colossians says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So doctrinally and spiritually speaking, God looks at believers as though we were crucified with him, we died with him, we were buried with him, and we also took our life back up. Lord, baptism literally means to immerse or to dip when you look at what it means in, in the Bible. It means to, it's a Greek word, baptizo, it means to, to, to immerse, to submerge, to make overwhelmed or fully wet, the root word means to overwhelm, to cover wholly with fluid and, and to dip. Back when the King James Bible was being translated, King James contracted translators to bring about that version of the Bible. When they came to the Greek word baptizo, had they translated the word, they would have had to have put in the King James Bible that we're to be immersed or to be dipped problem they ran into was this. King James, who's footing the bill, and by the way, in that day and time, it wasn't a good thing to make kings mad a lot of times. He believed in sprinkling. So rather than translate the word and put a mercer dip and make the king mad, they did something called transliterate the word, and that means they took part of the Greek letters and added some English letters to it and came up with a brand new word that had never existed before, the word baptism, and maybe it's as though the translators say, boy, we got out of that one without getting in trouble. Because the word really literally means to dip or to immerse. Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus was buried in the tomb for us. Jesus took his life back up for us. And God considers it as though we died with Jesus, we were buried with Jesus, we were made alive with him. When we're baptized in the water, when a believer's baptized, what's taking place is this. You're given a picture of the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. But you're also doing this. You're given a picture of the fact that you have died, the old person that you were. And there's a new person alive now with Jesus in his heart, and you're raised to a newness of life. 
That's what baptism is symbolic of. But not only does water baptism symbolically communicate the believer's identification with Christ, it also does this. Baptism publicly conveys the believer's dedication to Christ. In a public way, when we're baptized, we're conveying, we're displaying the people that we have dedicated ourselves to Christ. That happens in a couple of ways. First of all, we can demonstrate our dedication through commitment. As you're being baptized, it's as though you're given a public display of the commitment that you've made in Christ. Baptism doesn't make you a believer. Instead, it demonstrates that you've already believed. We, we read this verse a few minutes ago, but once again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your undoing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So baptism does not save you because that could be a work. Instead, baptism simply displays and demonstrates to people that you've already believed. Baptism is an outward commitment or a display of the commitment that you've made to Jesus. I've used this illustration before in talking about baptism, but I think it's really a good illustration, so I'll, I'll use it again. I'm wearing this, this ring on my finger today. It's not the, uh, the, the original one. I think Becky got me this one on our fifth anniversary, if I'm remembering correctly. If I'm not remembering correctly, I just got myself in trouble, I guess. But uh, anyway, when we were married 39 years ago, I walked up to the front of a church and stood there, and Becky was foolish enough to walk down the aisle of the church and say yes to marrying me. What happened that day is that we made promises to each other and before God that we were becoming husband and wife. And then we exchanged rings in order that other people can look and by seeing the ring know that her and I both are spoken for, we're taken, we belong to each other, we're married as husband and wife. The ring that I wear, that doesn't make me married. What made me married was a commitment that we made with each other in our hearts before God. That's what made me married. I can take this off, but I'm still married whether I'm wearing it or not. I wear it because it is a public symbol of the fact that we have been joined together as husband and wife. And I think that's kind of what baptism does for us. See, baptism doesn't save you. You were saved when you made a commitment to Christ in your heart when you made a commitment to him. Baptism is like a public image, a public display for other people to see that you are saying when you go through the baptismal waters that you have been spoken for, you've been taken, you belong to Jesus, you're part of the bride, you married the bridegroom, you belong to him now. That's letting other people know publicly that you have an inward commitment that you made to Christ and you display it outwardly through the sign of baptism. Does that make sense? In other words, it doesn't save you. It gives a, a picture, an image for others to see that you have been saved. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment, that you've given your life to Jesus, that you're following Jesus, that you belong to Jesus. It's a public sign for others to see you belong to Jesus. Baptism shows your commitment to Christ publicly. But also we show our dedication not just by commitment, but we show our dedication through baptism to Christ through obedience, through obedience. Let's come back to our original verse of Scripture, our focal passage that I read earlier. Out of the great 
Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I said earlier, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. It's not something where Jesus is saying, well, if you, if you kind of decide you want to do this, go do it. That's not what he was telling his disciples. He was telling his disciples, here's your marching orders. Here's what I expect you to do. I expect you to go to all nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I expect you to do. That's what I am anticipating that you'll do as my followers. It was a command that he was giving them, not just a suggestion. Now, if you want a good reason to obey that command, the word therefore in verse 19 points back to verse 18. Matter of fact, a good practice for you to have as you're studying the Bible, reading the Bible, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to look and see what the word therefore is there for. Does that make sense? You need to look back at previous verses and see what therefore is attached to. In the Great Commission, the word therefore is attached back to verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that therefore, verse 19, telling us to go forth and teach all nations and disciple them and baptize them is tied back to what Jesus said in verse 18 when he said, all authority has been given to me. So now, it's just kind of logical to me. If Jesus has all authority, that we ought to listen to what he says. Is that logical? If he has all authority in heaven and earth, he says it's on the other side of having been nailed to a cross and the world thought they were done with him and he takes his life back up and now he makes a statement like this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. That kind of sounds like we need to do what he tells us to do. And I fully recognize because someone's going to maybe argue in their mind, well, Jesus in the Great Commission has given his disciples orders to go and do something. I understand that. He's telling his disciples to go out and make disciples. He's telling his disciples to go forth and baptize. But is it not implied by Jesus saying that, that we ourselves as his disciples are supposed to have been discipled ourselves, that we're supposed to have been taught ourselves, and that we're supposed to have been baptized Ourself. In other words, if I'm going to go forth and teach all nations, I need to have been taught myself. If I'm going to make disciples, I need to be a disciple. If I'm going to go tell people they need to be baptized, I need to have been baptized myself. So the implication is, even though it's a command for us to go out and spread the gospel, the implication is, I think very clearly, that all believers are supposed to have been baptized. And he says so with all authority. So it just kind of sounds like to me that if you've never been baptized, and yet you have trusted in Christ as your Savior that you need to be baptized. Now, please, 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 I'm going to camp out on this again because I don't want anyone going away somehow thinking in their mind that being baptized saves you. I've already read verses about that, but I want you to look back in Romans with me again. Romans 10 this time. Romans 10 tells us this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead. You, what does it say there? You what? Oh, come on. You what? Oh, it doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say possibly. It actually says will. So that's a promise from God. You will be saved. Then just a couple of verses later, it says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what does it say? Will be saved. 
Show me the word baptism in either one of those verses. It's just not there. Because baptism is not something that saves a a person. Baptism is something that, that shows people that you have already been saved. It's a public thing you do. Some people will still try and point to verses like this one in Mark, and they'll say, oh, but you have to be baptized in order to really be a Christian. In order to be saved, in order to go to heaven, you have to be baptized. Because Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And people stop there. See, that's where people, that's where you get messed up in your theology. You, you lift up a part of a verse, or you lift up several verses, and you don't pay attention to what the rest of the Bible or what the context is of the verses surrounding it. Keep reading that verse. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but it says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. It does not say whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. You see that? Baptism is an expectation that Christ has for us because it demonstrates to others that we have believed, but baptism does not save us. The Bible, Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, we're condemned already because we fail to believe the gospel. We fail to believe in him. We're condemned already because of that. But here it does not say you have to be baptized in order to be saved. It does say you have to believe in order to be saved. And by the way, there's a thief on the cross one day that was hanging there, nailed to a cross, had no opportunity to be baptized, and yet he exercised faith toward Jesus as Jesus was there dying between two thieves. One rejected him and made fun of him. One believed, and Jesus looked at the one that believed, and he said, I promise you this, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So salvation does not save anyone at the same time. Salvation is something that Jesus commands us to do. I mean, baptism is something that Jesus commands us to do. Baptism doesn't save anyone. But it's still something that Jesus commands us to do, to be baptized. One time a few months back, I was kind of dealing with that topic, and I mentioned the thief on the cross. I was joking around. I think some people took me serious because people kind of looked at me like, I joked around and said, well, we'll give you this option. You can, uh, we can nail you to a cross or you can be baptized. <laughs> I was joking, but people look like, you're going to nail me to a cross? Now you see, the thief was nailed to a cross. He had no opportunity to be baptized. But you're not nailed to a cross. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you have the opportunity to follow him in obedience and be baptized. Because your obedience communicates to people that you're dedicated to him. All through the Bible, the pattern seems to be this. People believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. Let me give you a couple of examples of it. The Ethiopian eunuch. We don't have the whole story up. I'll tell you the story and then I'll read the verses that we have before you. But Philip, a disciple of Christ, was off doing an evangelistic campaign more or less. And man, he was having a lot of success. They were having revival in that city. A lot of people were coming to Christ. Then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God tells him, I want you to leave here, and I want you to go out and stand in a desert place. Bible doesn't appear to say that Philip understood why. So here, he's exercising faith to where logically, I think a lot of people would argue, wait a minute, God, I'm winning a lot of people to Jesus. You want me to leave here and go over here and stand in a desert place? And that's what God told him. 
So he's there standing in a desert place, probably wondering what's up with it. And then all of a sudden, he sees this chariot coming across the desert. And as the chariot draws closer, he hears that this Ethiopian unit is reading out of the book of Isaiah. So he runs over and joins himself to the chariot, Philip does, and the Ethiopian eunuch looks at him and says, what is Isaiah, who is Isaiah writing about? Is he writing about himself or someone else? And I can imagine Philip being jumping up inside, let me tell you who he's writing about. And the Bible says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. I honestly think there was a miracle that took place there. I think when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God snatched Philip away and took him somewhere else to be used, and the eunuch couldn't even see him. I wonder, man, where did, where did he go to? <laughs> but the main point I want you to get is this. The Ethiopian eunuch believed, and he was baptized. Did you notice that Philip didn't say, well, I'll baptize you, but we've got to wait, and we've got to go back to the church, and we've got to vote on it, then I'll baptize you practice of a lot of churches, but I'm sorry, I don't see that in the Bible. He said, what hinders me from being baptized? He said, nothing as long as you believe in all your heart. And he baptized him. I'll tell you guys something. If someone comes to Christ and want me to baptize them, I'm going to baptize them whether you vote on it or not. You don't know why? Because Christ voted on it. And that trumps what I believe and what you believe. Amen? Another illustration of someone believing and being baptized is a Philippian jailer. What happened there was this. Some of the disciples were there in prison at night. And even though they were in prison, they were rejoicing, they were worshiping God at midnight. And this earthquake hits. And the chains fall off their hands and off their feet and the doors of the prison fly open and there's this Philippian jailer there that has a responsibility to guard them and be sure they don't get away and he runs in there and he can't see that they're still sitting there in the darkness but he sees the 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 bars open and everything and he thinks to himself they've got away and he knew what the Roman Empire would do to him so he pulls his sword out getting ready to take his own life instead of allowing the Romans to punish him for letting the prisoners go and all of a sudden out of the prison they say we're still here And he comes and he falls at their feet and he asks them, what must I do to be saved? And here's their response. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once. He and all of his family who also came to faith in in Christ that night. I'm just showing you those two examples to show you they believed and they were baptized. They were believed and they were baptized. Not they believed and 10 years later they were baptized. Or they believed and they kept putting it off and they were baptized. Somewhere down the road maybe. 
Or they believed and they failed to be baptized. No, all through the New Testament, you see, they believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. So my question once again this morning, are you an obedient Christian? Are you someone who has trusted in Christ and have been baptized? Have you repented and believed? Have you admitted to God that you're a sinner? And have you placed faith in Jesus Christ that he did everything necessary on the cross for you to be saved? Have you repented and believed? And if you have, on the other side of that faith in Jesus, have you obeyed him and have you been baptized? Oh, I understand there are all kinds of excuses people have. I've heard them all through the years, you know. I'm scared of water. We've got a very small pool we'll be rolling up here at the front next week. I don't think I'm going to lose you anywhere in it, honestly. I've baptized people in rivers before and oceans before and lakes before, and I've, I've not lost anybody yet. The point is, are you willing to be obedient instead of have excuses? Other excuses that people have, well, I, I trusted in Christ so long ago, and I've put it off, and I've put it off, and I've made excuses, and, 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 and I just, if I do it now, it's a pride thing. If I do it now, I'm going to be embarrassed because people are going to see I, I didn't really follow him all those years with baptism. You're right, it is a pride thing. Are you going to let your pride be more important to you than obeying Jesus and doing what he tells you to do? Making excuses about, I'm afraid of water. Well, the one you've trusted in walked on water, and he stilled the storm. So I believe you can trust him enough to get you safely through baptismal waters. Other excuses, well, I, I, just, I can't stand to get up in front of people. I, I don't want to get up in front of anyone. Let me remind you that Jesus publicly was beaten, abused, and nailed to a cross and publicly suffered and died for you. Don't tell me if you're going to be his follower, you can't get up in front of somebody long enough to let people know you believe in him and you're following him because he publicly suffered for you. What I've seen in people's lives is this. The longer you put it off, the easier it is to put off. That's true of a lot of things in our lives. You know, God's calling you to do something. You say, well, I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes 10 years. Some people have been given wrong reasons to be baptized. I've got a friend. (laughs) He was told years ago that he ought to be baptized so he could be a member of the church and vote. I don't know who told him that, but I'd like to smack him in a Jesus kind of way. That's the worst reason in the world I've ever been, I've ever heard anyone tell someone that I'll be baptized in order that you can be a member of the church and vote. Because I think if I knew the full story of that, probably the guy was telling that because he wanted him to vote his way on things maybe down the road. Hey, here's the reason to be baptized. Jesus voted for it. Died on the cross for your sins. He voted for it. That's why you ought to follow him publicly and be baptized. Why be baptized? Because baptism symbolically communicates your identification identification with Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Because baptism publicly conveys your dedication to Christ. 
Y'all be baptized to follow the example of Jesus. Y'all be baptized because Jesus commands it. Y'all be baptized because it demonstrates to people that you are a follower of him. Y'all be baptized because doing so illustrates the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Y'all be baptized because it gives a picture of your new life as a Christian. The old person you used to be before Jesus is gone, there's a new person now with Jesus in their heart. That's why you ought to be baptized. On the back of that orange card that we call our connection card in the updates, I, I encourage you to pull it out right now and look at it. There are other selections you can put there. You can let us know you have repented and you've believed in Jesus. You can let us know that you have been baptized or you can let us know that you need to be. It's kind of an opportune time for us to offer this, I think, at our church because we just had our children's camp uh, a couple of weeks ago and we had at least one child come to faith in Christ and then we just had our vacation Bible school and I think we had at least one come to faith in Christ. And this morning during the first service, during the invitation time, I had a mother walk up and tell me that her two children had come to faith in Christ and uh, they need to be baptized and that she had never been baptized and that she wanted to be baptized. I think it's going to be a neat thing to get to baptize a mom and two kids next Sunday. We've got some other adults, some other young adults that have come to Christ recently as a result of a great tragedy of Josh being killed on a motorcycle. They'll be baptized next week. But what I'd like for you to do, if you know Christ is your personal Savior and you know you've never been obedient to Him, you've never been baptized, there's a place on the card. You can indicate 830 service or 1030 service. Be sure on the front of the card to put your name and contact information so I can call and talk to you about it. I want to know for sure that you know Christ is your Savior. I'm not going to baptize you if you you don't. (laughs) Because it doesn't help you any. It doesn't save you. Trust in Christ saves you. The baptism just shows people you've been saved. So indicate that if you need to be. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for people that may need to be making very honest, very clear, very serious decisions with you. Father, I pray if there's someone in this place this morning that's never, ever trusted in Jesus as their Savior, I pray you'd help them to recognize their sin, to admit their sin, to repent, to agree with you that they're a sinner, to have a change of mind about themselves and a change of mind about you. Father, I pray you help them to do more than repent. I pray that you help them to believe and help them to exercise faith in the finished work of your Son on the cross. Give them the faith that they need right now to say yes to Jesus, to believe that Jesus is their only hope, that Jesus is the only way, He's the only truth, He's the only life. Help them right now to place faith in Jesus. And then to be willing to say, I need to be baptized. Father, I pray also for others that may already know Christ as Savior, but for some reason they've never been baptized. Maybe they had some of the excuses that we've talked about. But Father, help them to see right now you so love them. Your son died publicly on a cross and give them the ability right now to say, yes, I want to be obedient. Yes, I want to be baptized. Yes, I want others to know that I have trusted Jesus. I want to give an outward display of the inward change that's taken place in my life. 
Father, to seal that in their heart and help them to be willing to come next week and be baptized. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for proving it beyond any doubt by sending your Son. Right now, during this time of decision, help us to be obedient to Him. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.